In this episode, we're going to be looking at the proficiency levels, you know, the actful proficiency levels. Now, sometimes we'll hear people, different teachers will refer to them as performance descriptors or can-do statements, but whatever the terminology being used to discuss this concept, essentially what it is is a list of concrete objectives and benchmarks for what students are able to do with the language that they're learning at different proficiency levels. So we're going to look exactly at how they're formed and most importantly, how we can use them effectively in the classroom to guide our teaching and learning. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. So let's take on this idea of the proficiency levels. And now, as I said in the intro, sometimes you're going to refer to these, or you're going to hear people refer to this concept as the actual performance descriptors or can-do statements. There's different ways to discuss this concept of the proficiency levels. So generally, as we're going through, you might hear me say the performance descriptors or when you're doing can-do statements or proficiency levels. I'm going to try to stay consistent and maybe just use proficiency levels, but just know that if I use any of those terms, which might be more applicable to individual topics as we go through, that they are essentially referring to the same thing. So don't sort of go Googling around and asking about different topics and how they might be different because they are essentially the same concept. So let's start by looking at this idea of these proficiency levels and the very first thing i would like to dive into is what are they like what what are these things that people are talking about and using and so to say specifically uh, these are an, an actful sort of phenomenon out there um, so actful says that they are used to describe language performance that is the result of instruction in a classroom setting so this is not necessarily something that's going to be useful as a guide to organically learning a language on your own in a immersion setting this is really meant for the classroom teaching and learning experience with language. So what it's going to do is reflect how language learners perform in these language learning environments. Again, with sort of a teacher, with students, and it's a way of taking a lot of the things that are theoretical about language and really making it incredibly concrete for what students are able to do and for the teacher to be able to assess and plan what they're able to do with very concrete benchmarks rather than staying in a theoretical realm. Now, these 
performance descriptors or proficiency levels um, have had many versions and iterations throughout the years. You know, started back in the '90s and the uh, and then in the early 2000s, the uh, we had the standards for foreign language learning, uh, which sort of started making things even more concrete. And then, most presently, in 2017, Actful published the intercultural can-do statements, which really took the idea of culture and made it central to this language learning experience where it wasn't as much of a focus with previous versions. So though it's called the intercultural can-do statements, the focus is not just on culture. It's definitely on the language needed to navigate within a culture. So they do have the proficiency benchmarks within that in similar ways that they have in the past. But this newer version really does bring into focus the importance of culture in the language classroom. So now that we sort of have our idea of what these things are, we probably should address why they're useful for teaching and learning. Uh, so we're going to do sort of a, a, a high level, why are they useful? And then after I go through the specifics of what they look like and some examples of them, I'm going to end the podcast episode by looking very specifically at how we can use them in the classroom. So for now, it's just the question of why do these things exist? Um, so they, again, are sort of their descriptors or descriptions of how students perform with the language or how they use the language. So they're basically a sort of roadmap for teaching and learning in the language classroom. So they help teachers to create performance tasks that are targeted to what students are able to do to their range of performance. So we also want to keep in mind that even though they're going to help us to really see, okay, this is the the proficiency level of this class or of these students, so I should always stay in this range. That's not necessarily what we want to do. What it helps us to do is say, okay, so I know that this class is, say, a novice high, but I want to be pushing them a little further than that, um, which is, you know, comprehensible input, crash in, I plus one, all of those things. So by knowing their proficiency level, you can keep them in that sweet spot, but then be pushing them above to help them grow in proficiency. And it also helps us to make sure that we're not going below that proficiency level so that we're constantly trying to build towards higher levels and not sort of regressing down to lower levels of proficiency. So therefore, teachers, through using these performance descriptors, these proficiency levels, we can set realistic expectations, particularly at the summative level. So at the end of a unit or a lesson where we're doing a summative assessment of what students are able to do after spending some time uh, with particular structures and topics. I mean, we definitely want to use them as we do formative things along the way. But when it comes to a summative assessment level, like they, we know exactly what students are able to do. 
so that when we are creating those assessments that we are making sure that they are performing at a level that makes them feel confident and able to achieve. Again, we always want to be pushing them a little ahead. Uh, maybe that's not the time to be doing it at the summative level, more of the formative level. But it does help us to keep real ex- realistic expectations of what students can do. So these proficiency levels also describe a pathway for learners to keep track of their own progress so they can identify areas that need more attention or have a clear idea of what that next level up is. I'm actually going to be telling you at the, at the end, uh, when I give you some resources, uh, I'm going to tell you about a document that I created where students can actually see what their proficiency level is, and it has some guidance for them on how to move up to the next level or what they can be doing to move up to that next level. So therefore, we have our... Uh, we have these these performance descriptors. The, the use in the classroom is very much for planning purposes and for goal setting for students so that we are aware of what their proficiency levels are so that we can teach within that range. And also keep in mind that language proficiency is incredibly dynamic. I think we all know that. So you're never going to have a class of everyone being intermediate low. You're going to have that range of novice high to intermediate mid, maybe even the same room. So just keep in mind that even though we might be referencing a particular proficiency level, that in reality, in any classroom, we're going to have quite a range of students. So now let's look at how these proficiency levels, performance descriptors, are designed, what they're actually going to look like. And just to circle back to use the actual actful language of what they are, that they describe the language performance of language learners in standards-based performance-oriented learning environments. Again, that focus on the learning environment. These are a classroom tool. And so they provide descriptive performance outcomes adaptable to fit differences in languages and learners. So that means that the way that these proficiency levels are written and set up, that they can be used for any language at any level. So because of that, what we're not going to see is reference to particular vocabulary or grammatical concepts of any one language because they're applicable to any language. So we won't see anything about a verb tense. We won't see anything about uh, adjective agreement or something like that because that's not applicable to every language. And as we go through the the way they are created, you'll see the places where we can infuse those those topics uh, specific to language as we go through. But as they're written, they are sort of a foundation to be used by all language teachers, whether you're teaching a seven-year-old or a 52-year-old. So it's about what the language is produced, what language is produced, Uh, rather than the content and topic. So the way that these proficiency levels are organized, they are in three levels. We have novice, intermediate, and advanced. There are actually more levels, such as superior, that goes 
beyond advanced, but for our purposes and the students that we are likely teaching, uh, we're going to mostly hover in the novice and intermediate level and sometimes uh, touch upon advanced low. Now, within those levels, they're broken down even more. So within the novice level, we have novice low, novice mid, and novice high. Then we have intermediate, low, mid, high, advanced, low, mid, high. So I'm going to sort of keep it at the novice, intermediate, advanced level for our discussion today. But just know that as you're looking at any of the documents on this or other teachers can do statements, that there are sort of three sub-levels within each one. And so we have the novice, intermediate, advanced, but also they're broken down by the modes of communication. So the interpersonal, interpretive, and presentational. And if you'd like to do a little work or recap on what those are, be sure to uh, take a listen to episode eight, where I go through the different uh, communication modes so that you can see how those would be used as well. So we have the three levels, novice, intermediate, advanced, and I'm specifically going to be focusing on the interpersonal uh, communication mode, uh, but just know that you can find information on the other communication modes as well. So if we look at interpersonal communication and we look at the proficiency levels, you will see that they are broken down into three sort of categories. One is the functions. So that means what are what can the learner perform and do with that proficiency level? And then we have the context. So how can the learner function? And the content, the topics. So as I said earlier, since these these performance descriptors, proficiency levels are written for any language and any level. They're devoid of specific context. I shouldn't, shouldn't really say devoid, um, but they, they don't embed particular context because that is what we do in the classroom. So we will actually add that context part to this, make it specific to the language and culture. And then the third area that they take into account is text type. Now, this is the thing I would argue is the most important element of these proficiency levels is the text type. So that's what the learner is able to understand and produce in order to engage with that context or to function uh, in that context. So the text type is going to tell us, are they producing single words? Are they producing phrases that are memorized? Are they able to create single discrete sentences? Can they create multiple connected sentences moving towards a paragraph level that's very detailed? So that's what the text type is going to tell us. And for me, that's always my starting point. Whenever I'm doing any kind of assessment or any sort of activity, I always start with the text type. What's the language that students can produce? And then once I have that, you know, sort of discrete standalone sentences, then I create from there what the task is going to be. Because if we start with the task, and then we try to figure out, oh, I want them to do this, and then we realize, well, that, that's not actually their proficiency level, then we have to go back and change the task. So if we start with the text type, what is the language they can produce? They are novice high, they are intermediate low, then move on to the task from there. So as we are 
looking at the idea that sometimes we refer to these as can-do statements uh, that are focused on these communication modes, then what do they actually look like? You know, so it's been a little theoretical, uh, but we've looked at our novice, intermediate, advanced. So now let's look at very specific examples. So at the novice level, and remember, we have our function, our context, and our text type for each of the levels. So for example, for the novice level, uh, students are able to ask questions in a very predictable and formulaic way. Um, they can respond to questions by listing or naming or identifying because their text type at that level is highly practiced words and phrases and an occasional sentence as they move to the high level of novice. So you can see that text type is really important to keep in mind because as they get to the intermediate level, they are now creating discrete sentences, which means standalone sentences, or strings of sentences that move toward being connected to each other. So strings of connected sentences and being able to ask more information questions and initiate and sustain conversations. That's the language, the text type they're producing at the intermediate level. Then at the advanced level, the text type is about paragraphs that are organized, cohesive, and detailed. Now, we have to keep in mind that when we do say paragraph, it doesn't just mean six sentences that are put together because that would essentially look like a paragraph. But if you can rearrange the sentences and it doesn't change the overall meaning and message, then it's not advanced. That's actually single discrete sentences, which would be more intermediate low. So just keep in mind that this word paragraph, when we say it in terms of the proficiency levels, that we are looking at organized, cohesive, and detailed sentences that rely on each other in a particular order to truly reflect the message. So there we have our three proficiency levels, uh, novice, intermediate, advanced, we see that we have the function, what they're able to do, and then the text type, the language needed to perform that function. And we're gonna add the context as teachers onto it so it's specific to the language and culture. So now that we have those, uh, what can we do in the classroom with them? Like why are they useful for us in the classroom? And I'm gonna give some suggestions for using them and that they can help to enhance our teaching. So when you start any unit and you do your unit can-dos um, and you start with the proficiency level that we wanna focus on the function, what they're gonna be able to do with the language and the text type. So if you're saying that you know it's a novice high or say let's go with an intermediate mid class and at that level students are performing at the strings of sentences and connected sentences level so if you're writing a interpersonal assessment you want to write an assessment that will require students to say two or three connected sentences to describe something or to explain something. Because if we write a prompt that they can just say one or two words, 
or one sentence to explain, then they actually do respond well to the prompt as it's written. So we have to score that as proficient, uh, whereas we need to be very cognizant of how we're writing our prompts so that it is requiring two or three sentences, connected sentences, if they're at that intermediate mid-level. And also at that intermediate mid, they might be starting to work with language in different time frames in the future, in the past. So we have to make sure that our prompt requires that. You know, so really starting, as I said, with that text type, always start with the text type, then work toward, then work backwards from there. So use backwards planning so that we are able to get students to that text type and not just working within the context. So when we're writing our assessments, uh, these performance descriptors, these these can-do statements or proficiency levels, they help us to stay within the range. And remember, you always want to be pushing students a little ahead, maybe more in the formative than the summative. And when it comes to creating activities, truly knowing what they're able to do at their proficiency level will make sure that it's not too challenging where they are not engaged because they don't have the language to engage, or that it's not too low of a proficiency level because they will not be growing in proficiency, and also they are perhaps going to lose interest, and they'll perform the task really quickly, and they actually are able to do more with it. So as I mentioned earlier, um, this can get a little theoretical when we're sort of talking about the proficiency levels. Uh, so I'm going to point you to two particular blog posts that have some visuals that will help you to, to really conceptualize these performance descriptors a little better. Um, and the first one is going to walk you through the performance descriptors or I can statements to make sure that as we are writing them, that they are truly communicative and that they're linked to the performance descriptors. So as you're writing these can do's for a particular unit or even for the year, this blog post is going to help you to make sure that they stay communicative. Um, and that you that blog post you can find at wlclassroom.com slash I can. So just wlclassroom.com slash I can. And then the second blog post I'm going to point you towards is one that is going to show you specifically by proficiency level what students are able to do. So it breaks down novice low, novice mid, novice high with examples of language students are producing at those levels. And then intermediate, low, mid, high, advanced, low, mid, high, very specific examples of the type of language students are producing. So it can really help you to gauge what an entire class generally, it's always a range, but generally what that class is able to do at their proficiency level. And then the most important thing that students have particularly appreciated is beneath there you will see there is an arrow uh, on the document pointing up and it's what students can do to level up in proficiency. So if they are at intermediate low and they wanna be moving towards intermediate mid or intermediate high, there are suggestions 
under the examples for how to level up, things that students can be doing to level up in their language proficiency. So that's a PDF document uh, embedded into the blog post, and that is at woclassroom.com slash level up. And both of these blog post links are also in the show notes, so you can just go there to see them as well. But the first one is woclassroom.com slash I can, and the second one, woclassroom.com slash level up. And the documents that are in there are meant to be shared with students as well. So you can use them for your own professional development and understanding of these, but also to help students as well. So as we are working with these proficiency levels uh, that ACTFL provides to us as these benchmarks for what students are able to do at each level, just keep in mind that they are a guide for planning, for planning out lessons, and particularly for those assessments at the end, that when we understand that this is a intermediate low class, this is the text type they're producing, so that when we create those assessments that we are in that range and we have a very concrete understanding of what that range is. And they'll also help very much with goal setting with students as they are moving along their proficiency journey, understanding the language that's being produced at each proficiency level will help them as they are creating their goals to level up. So take a look at those blog posts. Um, there are visuals in there that are definitely gonna help to you know summarize a, a little better some of these theoretical ideas when it comes to performance descriptors and share them out with your students. And I, I always recommend that we make students a part of this language learning journey so they understand that they are a part of it and that they can set their own goals and be able to move along with that as well. So take a look at the show notes where you can see the links to those two particular blog posts. And you will also see a link in there to sign up for Talking Points, which is my weekly newsletter with tips and tools for language teaching. And you will also get an email every Monday when the podcast episodes come out so you do not miss a single one. All right, hope this was useful for you. Always reach out to me if you have any questions or want to engage further um, in the social media world. I'm WL Classroom everywhere and we can definitely connect that way. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.